start with verse number 1. Revelation chapter 21. As I said this morning, this is going to be a two-part series. We're going to have the conclusion. Well, not the conclusion. This is going to be a, actually more than a two-part series. But uh, this is going to be, uh, we're going to hear more about this tonight. Revelation chapter 21, uh, beginning with verse number 1. Revelation 21 and verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall indeed, or shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Go over to Revelation chapter number 22 and verse number 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And, his, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, today we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement of your word, especially as we look in this portion of scripture today. Lord, I pray that you would bless our understanding and help us, Lord. We know that without you, uh, our understanding will be darkened. But Lord, you can enlighten us. You can open our mind and our understanding. And Father, I pray that you do that today. I pray, God, that your spirit would so work in our hearts and, and transform us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. May we have a sweet Spirit, may we love you with all of our heart. May we surrender all to you. And God, I pray you'd work in our midst. We thank you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a chorus that goes something like this. Heaven is better than this. Praise God, what joy and bliss. Walking on streets as pure as gold. In that land will never grow old. Heaven is better than this. Praise God, what joy and bliss. I like the old-fashioned meeting down here, but heaven is better than this. Heaven is better than this. Hey, praise God, heaven is better than this. 
You say, you know, this is wonderful down here. Oh, can I tell you something? Heaven is better than this. Doug Oldham, the old-fashioned gospel singer, used to sing a wonderful song written by the Gaithers entitled Going Home, which reminds us of the fact that we have something glorious awaiting the believers. It goes like this. Many times in my childhood, when we've traveled so far, by nightfall, by nightfall how weary I've grown. Father's, father's arms would slip around me, and gently he'd say, my child, we're going home. Going home, I'm going home. There's nothing to hold me here. I've caught a glimpse of that heavenly land. Praise God, I'm going home. You know, there's joy which wells up inside the heart of the believer with what he or she has yet to look for. The best is yet to come. Uh, throughout the scriptures, we see various writers speaking on this idea. The best is yet to come. As hard times uh, came in their life, they knew that no, no matter what would come, no matter what hardship they would have to endure, something better awaited them, and they looked forward to that day. The best is yet to come. I think of Enoch. The Bible talks about two individuals which never died in the scriptures. One was Enoch and one was Elijah. Enoch was a man who lived in dark times spiritually in the world. People were caught up in living for themselves around the world. It was before the flood. Violence and evil had gripped the hearts of all mankind. And their thoughts, the Bible says, and their imaginations were evil only continually. Enoch had a son, and, his, and the name of his son was Methuselah. The word Methuselah means when he dies, it shall come. God was going to send a flood when Methuselah died. He was warning the people. He was telling them by this man. But Enoch, uh, the people, uh, people around Enoch didn't want God. They didn't care what God had to say. They had made other gods. They lived after their own desires. And even in the midst of this darkness, God had a witness. It was a man by the name of Enoch. It was a man by the name of Enoch. A man who loved the Lord. A man who desired to please the Lord with his thoughts, his words, and his deeds. Standing as a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse world, he had a confidence and a hope that one day he would, that things would be different. One day he would see the Lord coming with all of his saints and set this world aright. Turn with me. Keep your finger here in Revelation. Just go back one book to the book of Jude. We find that Enoch, the words of Enoch are mentioned here in the book of Jude. Jude is only one chapter long, but boy, there's some powerful things in the book of Jude. Look at Jude chapter 1, verse number 13. Jude, excuse me, Jude chapter 1, uh, verse number 14, excuse me. It says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these sayings, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that, they're ungodly, uh, 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 that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which the ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Hey, the Lord's going to come one day. He's going to come and he's going to rule with a rod of iron. Enoch, the seventh from, uh, from Adam, understood God had revealed this to Enoch. The story of Enoch is an interesting one. 
The Bible says Enoch in Genesis uh, chapter 5, verse 24, it says this, And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. One day Enoch was over and he was walking with God and just having fellowship with God and talking to God and, and just telling God how wonderful he thought he was and, and he just loved God and he was walking one day and, and they had such sweet fellowship. But one day, as they were doing this day after day after day, that was his testimony. That was how he lived. But one day God says, you know, Enoch, we, we've been talking about this for so long and we're so close in this fellowship thing and, and you know, we, I've been talking about the best things are yet to come. Why don't you just come home? You say, well, pastor, that, that means he died. And, no, no, no. God translated him. He was just here and God just raptured him up. He's the first person who got raptured. Got translated. That word translated is interesting. He was just, God changed his body, as we'll see, to be able to enjoy the things that God had for him. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. He's mentioned in the Hebrews uh, chapter 11 as the hero's hall of faith. Verse number five, it says, but faith, by faith, Enoch was translated. He was changed that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He pleased God. His life was pleasing to God. As God looked at him, he was walking in the light. He was doing what God commanded. He pleased God. Enoch's faith was in his God and that the best was yet to come. I think of Job. When God allowed Satan to strip Job of all of his earthly goods and to take away the ones he loved the most and even his health, he still had faith in his God and the fact that the best was yet to come. Job chapter 19, verse 25 through 27 says this, For I know, Job speaking, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin and worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job's faith was unwavering. The best was yet to come. He believed his God and, he, and what God had revealed to him. He was confident that the best was yet to come. Jesus Christ, trying to encourage his disciples before his death, spoke of things to come. Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. In John chapter number 14, Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. He's told his disciples over and over again that he's getting ready to die. He's, getting, he's going to be buried. He's going to rise again. They didn't understand it. They didn't, didn't click with them. Here, once again, he's right at this point where he's going to be, go and uh, be taken and uh, taken, go before uh, Caiaphas, and, and then he's going to go before Pilate and Herod, and they're going to condemn him to death, and he's going to go through all that suffering. And he's trying to encourage his, his followers. He says in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Excuse me. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. Yeah, we don't know where you're going. He's been telling him over and over and over again, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to raise, go to heaven. I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to raise, go to heaven. They told it. We don't know Thomas. He was clueless. He had heard it for three and a half years. You'd think that he had got the message. He didn't. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He was the way to get to heaven. He was the way. The disciples would experience sorrow and loss. They would feel like their whole world was coming crashing down when Jesus was going to be taken from them. But he says, because I live, you too shall live. Because I'm going to go to heaven, I'm prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to prepare and go and prepare that place. I'm going to come and receive you unto myself. The best is yet to come. I think of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Turn over there with me if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul in this portion of Scripture, we find him writing in a low time of his life, writing about a low time in his life. You say, well, the Apostle Paul, I mean, he never had a low time at all. I mean, we think of the Apostle Paul as being stalwart. He's a person who, he didn't have down times. He was always positive. He was always upbeat. He was always a man that had, uh, he was encouraged in his heart. And he was always had, his faith was strong. He didn't have the things like we have. But in chapter 2, we find something a little different about Paul. Look what he says in verse number one. And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now he's writing to the Corinthian believers. He's talking about when he came with them and shared with them. He was there with them about a year and a half. He says, for I have determined not to know anything among you, he said when I came, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you, notice, in what? In weakness and in fear and what? In much trembling. That sounds like a weak time to me. In weakness and in fear and in much trembling. But notice. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Here, here we find uh, Paul talking about the fact this low time he was human, just like you and me. He, was, he knew what it was to experience pain and suffering. He'd been in jails. He'd been beaten. He'd been left for dead. He'd been stoned. All those things he'd come through. He knew what it was to have his friends and loved ones desert him when he stood before Nero the first time. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 16 through 18, Paul says that my first answer, my first defense no man stood with me when he was standing before Nero. He says, but all men did what? They forsook me. All, of, all these people that Paul led to Christ, all those people that, had, that Paul had made, a, they said they made a difference. Paul said, you know what? When I stood before Nero, giving a defense about what I believe and who I believe and who I trusted in, everybody left him. But notice what he goes on to say. I pray, God, that it might, might not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. 
that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, the Apostle Paul, he was confident that his God was going to deliver him. His God was going to take care of him. The best was yet to come. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9 as we were there. Notice what he says. He says, as he was in this low part of his life, this was a difficult time. He says, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit search, searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The best was yet to come. Paul understood it. Paul knew that going through these difficult times, going through these hard times, hey, the best was yet to come. I could go on and mention others, but the, fact, the matter of the fact is that uh, there, even when we go through those dark times, no matter how difficult the trials we must face, our God and Savior Jesus Christ will be with us and the best is yet to come. We're not to get wrapped up in this world. Many people, as they look at the things that are going on in the world, they, you know, you're, they're watching news. Can I tell you something? I was listening to a preacher the other day, and he said, you know, one thing about the news, if you want to get depressed, listen to the news. The news, when you listen to the news, and it talks about all the bad things, all the hard things. I was listening, they were talking about over in the Ukraine, they're going through hard times. And they were saying, well, you know what? They make a lot of the, the, the food for the, the world. They're kind of like a breadbasket, too, to help ship food. And, and uh, uh, our president was saying, well, now, because of what's going on over there, we're going to have higher prices in the store and higher prices in gas. And, and you know, the interesting thing about the, the news, they never tell you, you know, because of all these bad things, these hard things, we need to pray. They don't tell you that. They just tell you all the bad news. So what happens? You get depressed and discouraged. And you focus on those things. But I submit to you that the Apostle Paul tells us not to get our eyes on the things of this world, but rather to get our focus in a different direction. We're to get our focus on the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12. Go over there. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse number 1. He's gone through this chapter before us, Hebrews chapter 11, and talked about all these different heroes of faith that walked with God in the, the, the cha uh, ch uh, challenging times that they lived in. And, and uh, some of them were stoned, some of them were sawn asunder, some of them were tempted and were slain by the sword, and they were walking about in sheepskins, verse 30, uh, 37 of chapter 11, and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And then he comes down to chapter number 12, and he says this, looking unto Jesus, the world wasn't worthy of those people, those heroes hall of faith, those people who trusted in God. The world wasn't worthy of them, but there is a God who loved them. There is a God who's provided for them a mansion in heaven. There is a God who has, has done some great and amazing things, and there's some great, wonderful things for us to look forward to. The best is yet to come. Verse number 2 of chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, he, uh, who for, the Greek word there is the word anti, instead of the joy that he had, he left heaven with all the joys of heaven to come down here to die on a cross. He endured the cross, despised the shame, he didn't say, oh, good, now I get to go through a real rough time. Folks, can I tell you something? Sometimes it's hard to go through difficult times. Times when people have mocked you. Times when people ridicule you. Sometimes when people back away from you because you stand for the truth. It's hard to go through those times. Jesus despised the shame, but he rose from the dead, and he's now seated in heaven. He's trying to help you understand the best is yet to come. Praise God, Jesus went through all of that for us through all of that for us. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Our focus is to be on the Lord. As a Christian, our focus is to be on heavenly things. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek, seek those things which are above, that are heavenly, that belong to our heavenly home, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on the things of earth. That idea of setting your affection, your aim, your focus, you're to look at the things of God. Folks, we need to get our eyes off the world and get our eyes on the Lord. For if we be dead and our life is hid with Christ in God, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. The best is yet to come. You know, we're only pilgrims traveling through this old world. We're only pilgrims. Paul or Peter says in 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Strangers are those who is a foreigner who lives in a place without the right of citizenship. Boy, I tell you what, I, there are some people that hold on to this world tightly. The things of this world, what they've got, what they have. Hey, folks, we're only strangers. We're passing through. That's what the pilgrim is, uh, pilgrim is. One who comes from a foreign country into a city or a land to reside there by the, the side of natives. You say, Pastor, we're in the world, but we're not to be what? Of the world. We have a different home. This is not our home. We're just a passing through. What do we look, have to look forward to as Christians? The message today, hopefully, will encourage your heart. Same thing with tonight. There are several things that you and I, that we have to look forward to. The best is yet to come. If you're burdened down today, can I tell you something? The best is yet to come. If you're suffering physically, can I tell you something? The best is yet to come. If you're overwhelmed by your circumstances, remember that the best is yet to come. So you say, Pastor, what's the best? Let's look at one of those things right now. What's the best to come? Well, to be with our God, our Heavenly Father, and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The best is yet to come. Revelation chapter 21. Go back there where we were. Revelation chapter 21. To be with, our, with God our Father 
and with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 21, verse number 21 and 22. Look what it says here. It says, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, and as it were, transparent glass. And I saw no temple there, for the Lord God Almighty and, notice that word, and the Lamb are the temple of it. And. John the Apostle is describing New Jerusalem coming down from heaven in, in verses 21 and 22. But in 22, in verse 22, we find the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb will be there in that city. The place when we are absent from the body and we are present with the Lord, we are there in this place called New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem comes out of heaven. When you come out of something, you've got heaven, but you have the new city comes out of heaven. So New Jerusalem is not just heaven. It comes out of heaven. The words are important to understand. It's a, heaven itself is a bigger place than just the city. But the city comes out of heaven. The God who created us, the God who gave us life and sustains us on a regular basis, the one who loved us and gave his only begotten son for us, we will see in heaven one day. We're going to see him in heaven one day. How glorious will that be? How glorious. Not just to read about him, our heavenly father, but we'll see him. We will see our Heavenly Father. Go back to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. The Old Testament. Isaiah chapter number 6. And beginning with verse number 1, notice what we see. Isaiah had a vision. He was able to see into heaven, if you would. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 and the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Now notice, if you would, that you have the word uh, there in the King James Version. It's capital L, small o-r-d. That, that is the word Adonai. The word Adonai in the Hebrew, it means master. He saw, I saw the master sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now notice, that's a little different. If you look at those, that lettering there, it's capital L, uh, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the word in the Hebrew, Jehovah. He is Jehovah, the Lord, Jehovah of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amidst the people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the, seen the King, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, the Lord of hosts. This is God the Father setting upon the throne. Jeho here, Isaiah had seen God on the throne. Pretty amazing. 
You know, there are some Bible scholars who think that we will never see God the Father because, G uh, because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father in John 14, 9. But I think they have a little problem. And it's in the book of Revelation. Go back to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter number 4. Gen or, the book of Revelation is an important book for us as believers. Chapters 1 through 3 deal with seven churches. Some people are, are uh, uh, dispensational in, in uh, looking at this portion of Scripture. They look at chapters 1 through 3 dealing with these seven churches as different time periods, and they kind of overlap. I, I take a little different perspective. I think that there were seven literal churches that had some issues that God was dealing with the pastors in those churches. The church at Ephesus, they, you know, they knew doctrine, they knew what God said, but the problem was they left their first love. And so uh, God tells them to repent and so forth, and he deals with them, and each of these seven churches have issues, just like churches today. I believe that that's what we see in, in Revelation chapters 1 through 3. But in chapter 4 of Revelation, we have the catching away or the rapture of the church. Revelation chapter 4. And chapter 4, look what it says. It says, And after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard uh, was, uh, was, as it were, a trumpet uh, talking with me, saying, Come up hither. And the one that was talking to him was the Lord in chapter number 1. Well, we know that the Bible talks about the rapture. And we're going to, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, talks about the rapture of the church. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Lord's going to have a voice like a trumpet. He's going to say, come home. I'll tell you what, that's going to be an exciting time. I think we are close to that time now. Boy, when we see all these things that are happening in the world today, and you read prophecy, you can see them falling into line. And Jesus said, when you see these things, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. And we come down then. He says, come up hither. He's calling the church home. And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was in heaven. John the Apostle speaking. And one sat on the throne. He that sat on, and he that was, uh, and he that sat was to look upon like jasper as a sardis stone. And there was a rainbow about the throne in the sight like, an, like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there was seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about uh, the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like unto a lion. The second beast was like unto a calf. The third beast was a face as a man. And the fourth beast as the face of a, a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. 
And they were full of eyes, all seen, if you would, within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Sounds like Isaiah's account, doesn't it? These guys are, these, these four beasts are worshiping the Lord. And when those beasts give glory to God and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Keep on going. And I sat, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, here's one that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look therein. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah." The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, notice, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood, what? A lamb. As it had been slain. Who is that? Jesus. Which, uh, having seven horns, seven is the number of uh, uh, completion, horns dealing with the idea of authority, and seven eyes, all seen, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the, the earth. And he, the lamb, came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Was that an indication? Who's the one sitting on the throne? God, the Father. The Son comes and takes the book out of his right hand. That's what it says. You say, well, pastor, that would make three gods, or, you know, or at least two gods here. No, 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 I don't know how it works out, but I'm just telling you, we know that all three are one. But we, it says the lamb comes and takes the book out of the right hand of the one that's sitting upon the throne. You say, boy, I'd wrap, your round, wrap your mind around that one for a while. But I think we see God the Father. Some Bible scholars said, no, 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 you only see Jesus. No, I think you see God the Father. I think you see God the Son, the Lamb of God, because he's the one that they go on to talk about. Uh, it's interesting as we, as we consider this. Uh, we're introduced to that Lamb. I believe that we're, one day we're going to see our Heavenly Father. Not only are we going to see our Heavenly Father, but we're going to see Jesus, who is the Savior and King. Look at Revelation Chapter 21 and verse 22, where we were a moment ago. Revelation 21 and verse 22. And I saw no temple therein, in this new Jerusalem, the place where we go, where the place where God lives, for the Lord God Almighty, remember we talked about that in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, and what? And is a conjunction. And the Lamb are the temple of it. God the Father and God the Son. One day, we're going to see Jesus. One day, we're going to see him 
The one who came to earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, always pleased his heavenly Father, did miracles to prove that he was God in the flesh. He suffered and bled and died for our sins and then rose again to give us hope, who now lives to be our advocate and our intercessor in heaven. We will finally see Jesus. We know that he's going to descend from heaven with a shout. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, with the voice of the archangel, Jesus is coming. We're going to, the best is yet to come to see Jesus. Have you ever wondered what Jesus looks like? Oh, pastor, I've seen Jesus. Really? Yeah, you know the Shroud of Turin? They got that picture of Jesus. You know, the long-haired Jesus, and the, you know, you can see that face. No, can I tell you something? That's not a picture of Jesus. Well, you know, pastor, I've got pictures of Jesus in my house. You know, he's, got, he's there, you know, with the crown of thorns. We, I've got, that's an artist's conception, what they think Jesus is going to be like. But one day, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see him face to face. Look with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're finally going to see Jesus, the one who has walked with us through the good times and the bad times. The one who has given us strength when we are faint. The one who never leaves us nor forsakes us, has forsaken us. The one we've grown to love so much. We're going to see him. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter writing to the believers here, he says, Blessed, verse 3 of chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through the faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Notice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. They were, these people were going through difficult, many different types of trials. That the trial of your faith, meant, uh, being much more precious than a gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found to the praise and honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, what? Ye love. Hey, we haven't seen the Lord. The believers, down through this time, apart from those people that were there after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I believe Stephen, who saw the Lord uh, when he was being martyred there in Acts chapter 7, hey, we haven't seen Christ. But yet the Bible records for us about Jesus. He talks about him. We, we, have, we know he's kind and loving and compassionate and just and righteous and holy. Uh, but, but one day, we're going to see his face. These people, they, 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 whom having not seen, ye loved. They loved him even though they had not seen him. Though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. One day, we're going to see Christ. I don't know about you, every time I start thinking about that, that just kind of chokes me up. I can't even imagine what Jesus Christ... Now, some people, you know, they can picture those things in their mind. I just can't. 
but I know he's going to be wonderful. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. One day we're going to see him. The best is yet to come. The song writer put it this way, Jesus will be what makes it heaven for me. All its beauty and wonder I'm longing to see, but Jesus will be what makes it heaven for me. Let me ask you, are you looking forward to seeing Jesus? Folks, the best is yet to come. Folks, oh, heaven's going to be great. We'll talk more about that, and we'll be looking tomorrow, more about that tonight in the evening service. Folks, I pray that you understand that you need to get your eyes fixed on Jesus. You need to get your eyes fixed on heaven. You need to get your eyes fixed on your God. Your God is still great. Your God is in control. Your God is, is a, a wonderful, amazing God. And one day we'll see him. I pray that we're living that way. You know, some of us are going to go by death, and we'll see him that way. Some of us are going to be raptured. I believe that. I believe that's what the Bible teaches here. But one day we're going to see him. Be, and behold him in all of his beauty. Folks, when we get kind of discouraged and down, can I tell you something? Look up. Look up and understand that the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you today that we've been able to open your word and to realize just a, a couple of things here this morning of the best that is yet to come. God, to see you, Heavenly Father, to see you. Man in his sinful state could not look on the face of God. But Lord, you said, as we see in Revelation, that we're going to see the one who sits upon the throne, the Lord God Almighty. Lord, I believe we're going to see you face to face. We're going to see our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Lord, I don't understand all of how all that's going to work out. But Lord, just to see you. I pray, God, that we would have a heart and a life that's pleasing to you. I pray, Lord, that we have run the race of this Christian life with confidence knowing that we're pleasing you by our life. I pray, Lord, that we know you as our Savior and our God. Lord, I pray today for those that may not know Jesus. They may not even be worshiping you, dear Heavenly Father. I pray today that they would have their eyes opened to realize their need of a Savior, the only Savior for the world, that being Jesus, your Son. I pray, God, that they would be willing to admit, as your word has said, that they're a sinner that needs a Savior. I pray, God, right now that they'd realize that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for them on the cross. You love them with an amazing love. Jesus died, he was buried, and rose again to give them life. 
and to give it to them more abundantly. It's not enough just to know it. it. They must receive it in their heart. But as many as received him, to them you gave the power to become the sons of God. Lord, if there's one here today without Jesus, I pray they'd come and ask Christ to be their Savior right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, you can settle that decision right now in the quietness of your heart. You can pray and ask Christ to come into your heart. You can pray a prayer like this if you truly mean it. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I want Jesus to be my Savior right now. I believe He rose again. I want to give Him my life. And I want to live for Him the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. With no one looking around, if you prayed and you asked Jesus to be your Savior, I'd love to pray, pray for you and a word of prayer for you that as you begin your new life, that you would have power, God's power in your life and for Satan to be bound so that you can uh, begin your life victoriously. If you're like that today, you say, Pastor, I did pray just now. I prayed and asked Christ to be my Savior. If you're like that, would you do me a favor? Just slip your hand up. Is there anyone like that right now? Dear Christian, maybe today you're burdened down with a lot of weight, a lot of things. Can I tell you something? The best is yet to come. We have a hope that the world does not have. It, our hope is in our Savior and in his, and the promises of our God. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, please pray for me. I am going through that time, and I just need to be encouraged and helped. God needs to help me right now. I just need his help right now. If you're like that, you say, Pastor, please pray for me. Is there anyone like that right now? Yes, all over. Yes. Dear Father, we pray for these hands that have been raised. You know their burdens and their needs. Lord, I pray that you give them strength. Help them, Lord, to focus on you as a great God. Thank you for your wonderful promises that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation.